baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome to Ask the Experts, North Texas on News Radio 1080 KRLD. Thanks for joining us. I'm David Rankin. And I'm Kristen Diaz. And it is back to school season. And we know that schools have had to deal with a lot. Staff and students have had a lot of anxiety and depression over the years. We've had this conversation. But now, as we start to turn a corner in the pandemic, this is a new year. We're trying to start fresh. Um, we really want to know what we can focus on to make this year better for everyone and especially our kids that have been dealing with so much. So joining us this afternoon is Dr. Jessica Clement. She is a pediatric psychologist with Parkland Health. And um, Dr. Clement, it seems like we really haven't reached the peak with anxiety and depression in our kids that more kids are still being diagnosed with this. Um, what can you say from a professional level of what absolutely needs to be done to bring these levels down? Yes, um, thank you for asking that important question. And first of all, thank you so much for having me, Kristen and David. Um, so we are seeing increases in anxiety and depression, especially um, comparing levels from the early 2000s um, to recent levels. Um, so what needs to happen is just knowing the warning signs. So some things that parents can look out for when they're noticing increased stress levels, anxiety, depression in children um, can look like appearing more clingy, um, being resistant or not wanting to go to school. They might have physical complaints like stomach aches, headaches um, when they're thinking about going back to school. Um, they might express negative thoughts uh, or worries. And children with depression uh, may also appear more withdrawn or irritable, little things are making them feel more upset. They might be more tearful. Um, and then some other physical um, signs are being more fidgety or slowed down, trouble sleeping, changes in appetite. So if parents can uh, notice these signs in their children and get them connected, either a visit with their primary care physician um, to get an evaluation or a referral to um, a specialist. How does a parent tell the difference between a child that is acting like, I don't want to go to school because I don't want to go to school, as opposed to there being an actual problem? You can tell based on like the level of distress and resistance, how upset does your child get when they're getting ready to go to school? And if you push them and, and hold the boundary and say, oh, you know, I know you really don't feel like going to school. Like, I get that. Sometimes I don't want to go to work, but you're going to school today and think about something that you can look forward to. If those strategies aren't working for you and it's taking longer and longer to get them in the car, then it's time to go see a specialist. There was a recent data released by the Annie E. Case Foundation. They saw that more than 500,000 
Texas kids were diagnosed with anxiety or depression in 2020, which was a 23% increase from just a few years earlier. When you hear numbers like that in studies like these, in your profession, does this correlate with the amount of patients you're seeing in your door, um, just the caseloads that you, that you personally have to deal with here in North Texas? Yes, and I think there's still more work to be done in getting kids connected to therapy and uh, psychiatry. So we are seeing higher numbers of patients requesting for services. Um, Caseloads are increasing, and there's still a big gap in the number of kids that need services and have not received them. One other issue that's going on is kids spend so much time in school during the school year that they would have to rely on school services. Another study showed that barely half of schools in this country have any kind of ability to evaluate mental health. What needs to be done to improve those numbers to have more mental health experts on school campuses? Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's something that I hope that we can work towards improving in North Texas um, with our services at Parkland. Um, But in the schools in particular, um, I would say just teachers noticing the warning signs. Um, Most schools do have access to therapists or school psychologists who can provide evaluation for um, emotional or behavioral disturbance in the classroom. And so, you know, if we can identify those kids early on and get them connected to services, as well as getting them help in the classroom or help um, when they're at school. I know it might be too soon to really know um, the data, but perhaps you've seen something that we don't. You know, kids have had to transition from being in person to doing some a lot of their learning virtually over the past two years, and now they're gradually getting back to being in classrooms and, and adjusting to that. What about um, telemedicine and doing, you know, uh, connecting with apps that help with counseling services um, and uh is that is there a difference between working with a patient in person versus virtually? Yes and no. Um, like many uh, questions when it comes to mental health and psychology, the answer is yes and. Um, so there can be a difference depending on your child. So for example, um, some children, especially younger children, children with concentration difficulties, will do better if they're seeing a therapist in person where you might incorporate more play or other activities to help keep them focused or to help with certain strategies. Um, But I also see a lot of children benefiting and parents benefiting from being being able to access services through telehealth. And what we know from the research is that um, children with anxiety and depression for the most part, improve just as well with telehealth as in-person services. One thing about, we're talking about children and their mental health. How young do children get where they're, where they're actually showing signs of anxiety or depression? Very young, um, for especially for anxiety. So you know, all children, once um, they reach a certain uh, developmental stage, they have stranger anxiety, they may have some fears of separating from their parents, but it can become a, um, a problem when the separation anxiety is so much that they can't attend school or they can't be left alone um, with another caregiver. For an adult who deals with anxiety and depression that originally, you know, or 
it originates in their childhood, they might say. Is that a, even more of a reason to really focus on kids at a young age with making sure that they get connected to a counselor so that it doesn't become a, a long range issue? Absolutely. Um, when someone, unfortunately, when someone has a diagnosis of anxiety or depression, they are at a higher risk of reoccurrence for that disorder. So once you identify if you have that problem, definitely get the services that you need and the coping strategies that you need. Um, and just be aware of some of those warning signs um, when stress starts to increase or you're starting to notice some of those signs again. Do parents worry that they're making a mistake when they bring someone in to be diagnosed for possible anxiety or depression that, why am I doing this? What if it's just a phase? What if this isn't real? They worry about that? Yeah, I, I think some parents do worry about that. Um, it it takes some vulnerability on the part of a parent to bring a child in and say, I need help. I think my child is struggling. Um, and I, I greatly appreciate when parents can do that for their child. A lot of times do you see the child is expressing maybe a reflection of what the parent may not realize they're dealing with? Um, we definitely see that uh, when uh, with anxiety and in depression, if um, there's depression or anxiety in the, in the family, that children can be at a greater risk for that. So it is possible, um, and children are always watching us and mimicking what we're doing. So um, there can be some of that, but also it's not necessarily the, the case. Is there a time frame for a child or a teen that starts to suffer from anxiety, depression, that you can nip it in the bud as opposed to it becoming a long-term problem? Um, we know that early intervention is the best um, or even prevention. So, for example, in the schools, teaching social and emotional skills, um, bringing in that social emotional curriculum, teaching mindfulness, um, gratitude, practice, uh, keeping up with exercise, regular uh, routines, healthy eating. So those things can be really helpful and just preventing overwhelm and, and stress and preventing it from becoming a bigger problem. Let's talk about suicide for a second. Uh, we had a couple of weeks ago the change or the welcoming of 988. Um, and also, unfortunately, we've seen some student violence here in Texas over the past couple of months, um, even in the past couple of days, some lockdowns because of threats. Does any of that spur down to um, mental health issues or anxiety and depression that kids might be having? And and are we seeing um, with now the implement of 988 any fluctuation in more calls from, from kids uh, in particular? Well, I can't answer about like the increase based on 988. I just, I don't know the numbers on that, but I can say that there is an increase in anxiety um, with the recent uh, school violence. Um, and I've, I've seen it personally with kids that I've seen coming in in anticipation of going back to school. They're, they're scared. They're seeing um, really scary things on the news. Parents are talking about it. So it's definitely affecting their mental health. Kristen had talked earlier about the fact that so many kids had to kind of, you know, bounce from remote school 
to in-person school to remote to in-person again. And that can affect their interpersonal relationships with other kids. How important is it for kids to be able to talk to their friends and to have the ability to talk to other people in their own age group to you know, fend off anxiety, depression kinds of things? It's so important that we give kids opportunities to work on their social skills. Um, I think that's a big worry for kids and going back to school is how um, how am I going to reconnect with my friends that I drifted apart from over the summer? Oh, what am I going to say? Um, they worry about fitting in. And um, so you know, giving them those opportunities to stay connected to peers over the summer, over the weekends, um, during the school year, it's, it's important. What is a message that you would want our listeners, who a lot of them have kids that are in school right now, um, what is the main message you want them to take away when it comes to addressing mental health with their kids? I think I would want to normalize that we all struggle with stress and anxiety at some point and sadness, and it's okay to struggle with that and to ask for help. Does that also go for parents themselves if they're connecting with their kids and they're saying, I have to deal with this stuff too, and parents asking their kids or their teens for help. I think it's important for parents to model um, being vulnerable and just accepting um, help and um, talking about mental health issues, not being afraid to talk about it and to ask about how you're feeling, um, not being afraid to ask your kid if they've ever thought about suicide um, or if they've ever felt depressed or anxious. Uh, but in terms of asking your child for help, I, I think you have to be careful with that one because you don't want to put your child in the position of feeling like they need to take care of you. Of course, that's social media and the impact that that's social media has with cyberbullying as opposed to bullying in schools. And that can just contribute mm -hmm. more to yeah. that kind of increased stress in a child's life. Absolutely. Um, there's data that shows social media impacts children's self-esteem. Um, there is definitely an increase in, in bullying through uh, increased access with social media. Um, so I, I think it's just important for parents to monitor social media. And, and you can't 100% prevent your child from being bullied, but you can monitor and open the conversation and, and help them just prepare and practice on how to respond to those situations. And that is Dr. Jessica Clement with Parkland Health today. She is a child psychologist. We really appreciate your time. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.